So you can't do it alone. I had someone call me yesterday late afternoon and, and they needed prayer and they were like, I'm really sorry for bothering you. And I said, I had to, we prayed with them, went through and I said, and by the way, I need prayer. We all go through times where we face obstacles, we come against things, we come against attacks and we can't do it on our own. That's why God put us together with a body. He, he said that we're going to have brothers and sisters in Christ that fight side by side with us. He gives us armor. He gives us uh, angels. And, and he has resources that far exceed ourselves. There's, there's an angelic army. There's warring angels. There's protective angels. There's, there's all kinds of things that we need and we have access to because we weren't ever really designed to do it by ourselves. Amen? Amen? Amen. So thank you, Rick, for, for uh, being transparent, Amen. being open. Um, giving hope. I was, I'm excited this week that the topic of could I be an adulterer is going to go into an area of hope. <laughs> we didn't get there last week. It was just a lot of uh, facts and things of we're good, but I always want to get to the hope side, right? Who wants to just be left with like, oh man, I just felt like I got beat up. I mean, sometimes we need a little tail kicking. Sometimes we need to, to be lifted up in the process. Amen. So we're going to, we're going to head that direction. And uh, man, if you have this, this uh, building a legacy, there's some, some speakers. Sammy Rodriguez, have you ever heard Sammy Rodriguez? If you listen to much Christian radio, you're going to hear Sammy Rodriguez, awesome uh, minister. Tony Evans, another one, just a, a phenomenal speaker, will we'll definitely rock you. Then Jeremy Camp, most of you have probably heard of Jeremy Camp, an awesome music artist. He's going to be speaking also. And um, Ken Harrison, who I don't know, but he must be pretty good if he's in this lineup. So um, I've probably heard him, just don't recognize the name. So if you get the opportunity, uh, put it on your calendar and make this an opportunity. There's going to be, we're going to try to fill this house full of men and, uh, and just, just get united and get strengthened. And we're trying to build up family in this church. And uh, men, whether you like it or not, you're the head. That means a lot of the assault, a lot of the attack is going to come that direction. And Satan's no fool. If he can take out the head, he takes out the family. So we're going to try to build this up. Amen? Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles... Um, why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 27. Continuing on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, I'm guessing we're going to keep rolling through the Sermon on the Mount until we're done. I don't know if there may be some opportunities for breaks here and there, but I've asked the Lord a couple different instances, can I do something different? And um, he was... You ever realize like when he tells you something... That's really what he means. <laughs> he he kind of talks to me like that. He reminds me of sometimes like, so when you tell your kids, like, this is what I'd like you to do, how often do you change your mind on that? Not very often. Okay, well, just keep doing what I told you. All right, we'll just do that. So, so we're going to keep doing that. Praise God. Uh, starting verse 27, Jesus once again with the, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, I want to stop for just a second and share. Ladies, you're not excluded in this. You do have to understand it in the context of who, who Jesus is speaking to. He's speaking to the religious leaders in particular. This is who it's aimed at because they are the ones who've been justifying their actions. They are the ones who saying very religiously, checking the boxes of, well, I didn't sleep with her or I didn't kill the person, so I haven't committed murder. 
That's who he's specifically speaking to. But, since, but just because that's who he's specifically speaking to doesn't mean we're not all incorporated in that. Does that make sense? So when you hear, you know, we could, you, ladies, you could put yourself in there and say that it's not right for you to lust after a man. Amen. Okay? All right, just wanted to clarify that because sometimes we think we're just, oh, phew, take, the, take the week off, right? This is for my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I know none of you ladies would think that, but. <laughs> so he says, you've already committed or with lustful intent. And I like that. Anyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent, he goes past just the act into the intent, has already committed adultery with her. Where? In his heart or in your heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. Now, I'm going to mention this later on in the message, but look at this three-verse section of Scripture. In three verses, it says twice, it's better that you would lose either an eye or a hand than for you to go to hell. Like I tell you, I'm not the sharpest guy, but when Jesus says something twice in three scriptures, I think he means that. He wants us to see the importance that he does not want you to go to hell and that you need to do whatever means necessary, whatever it would take to keep you from going there. Because if anyone knows how horrible hell is, he does. So it is not his, he does not want you there. And he wants you to do whatever it takes to keep you from there. Amen? So last week we went over um, a few points. And the point, first one was believers should deal with sin at its earliest possible point to protect our heart. Amen? A couple of verses were Proverbs 27, 20. Um, said, death and destruction are never satisfied and neither are human eyes. Point two, what we allow through the eyes and our senses and what we think about are extremely important. We talked about David and his mishap with Bathsheba. And I'm pretty sure in the first service, we got into point three, which was we must get rid of anything that offends and keeps causing us to sin. We, kept, we went over a little bit on um, the word scandalizio, which was the word based out of offend, which was like the stick that's in the trap. So we talked about in James, where it says that we are drawn away by our own lust. Lust turns into sin. Sin left unchecked goes into death. I call that Satan's LSD, right? Satan's LSD, lust, sin, death. And it doesn't have to be sexual lust. If you, if, you, if you look at this, any form of lust of something that's outside of the bounds of what God has for you will lead to sin, and that sin will lead to death. We, we know that the scripture says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Amen. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, what does Jesus come for? That we'd have life, and not just life, abundant life, Right? So God has given us um, all of our senses so that we could enjoy life. We could see, taste, hear, touch, and they're all good. They're not bad senses. Satan just wants to pervert them. Satan wants to put all kinds of obstacles that we would mess up our senses, that we would mess up his intent. Sex is a great thing. God designed it. it was, Satan didn't design it. God designed it. Amen. And it's a beautiful thing. It's intended for the, in the bounds of where it's intended. It's awesome. But you take anything that God's intended and you take it outside of the bounds and it's perverted and it's wrong and it gets messed up. Anything. So God's not against sex. God designed it. And he had designed it for there to be pleasure. And he designed it so we'd have intimacy with our spouse. With our spouse. Amen? Amen. Amen. So 
We talked a little bit about the eye. The eye is a receptor. If you notice, all of our sensors, our senses are receptors. We receive in through our eyes. We receive in through our ears. We receive in through our mouth, through our taste. We receive through our touch. God designed that. That's why, that's why we have to guard those things. They're receptors into what? Ultimately into here. Amen. To our heart. Every one of those things. What, have you noticed when, you, when you take children and you put them in an environment that they're being told and spoken to that they're beautiful, that they're fearfully and wonderfully made, that they have a purpose? You see those kids blossom. You put kids in an environment where they're hearing you're stupid. There's, you were a mistake. You know, we, didn't, we weren't even trying to, we, we weren't, this, this was a mistake. What kind, what kind of things develop from that? Because their senses and they come into here. So what we put before our eyes is really, really important. What we listen to, what we take in. God's given us senses. We have a sense of taste. It's awesome. And we should, the, even biblically says, taste and see that what? That the Lord is good. So we're able to take things and taste them and go, is this good? When we take something and we taste something off or something sour, what, should you, what, do, you do? what do you do when you take a, a, a carton of milk? And you don't use your first sense of, or eyeball. If, you see, if it looks like cottage cheese, you don't even have to smell it, right? But then you can give it the old sniff test. That's good. How many of us have passed the sniff test, but not the taste test? So we need to do that with things. God's given us senses. So when you taste something and you go, oh, that's a little off, we, don't, we spit it out. If you're wise, if you don't spit it, how many's done that? I'm not sure. I think it's okay. Well, then six hours later, you discover it wasn't okay. <laughs> and you have the, the <laughs> not the receptors, but the, 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 the parts of your body to get rid of things. Go haywire, right? Your body's saying, get rid of this. Our bodies are sometimes wiser than our <laughs> brains. Do I need to go any further than that? We got it? Praise the Lord. So we got to guard our receptors. And we went over that we were able to sin and not just the, the, the action and the hands. and the Because Jesus is specifically speaking of hand, eyes and hands. So we, we have the ability to just sin in what we receive in our receptors and what we, we do with action, our hands. We also have the ability to do good with those things. Amen? So we covered men, don't look. Ladies, please don't help. Amen? Like, I have, I have a don't look. I don't have to. I can't blame. You can't blame, you know, if there's a naked lady walking across the street, I may notice that. Now I have an opportunity to go, don't look. Amen. She, has a, she has a problem in that area. <laughs> she should be clothed. But I don't have to keep following her. Right? So there's, there's two responsibilities on that. Ladies, don't walk around naked unless you're at home with your husband. That's always good. Um, <laughs> what? Just being real. What's wrong? That's a great thing. <laughs> but keep it there, guys. Right? We need to be very, yeah, I thought I'd get some amens from some men. Come on. That was a good point to say amen. We need to be very careful not to allow anything to our spiritual, am I getting red? 
<laughs> our spiritual eyes to keep them from seeing clearly the enemy's schemes. We need to be very careful not to allow anything to cloud our spiritual eyes to keep them from seeing clearly the enemy's schemes. How many of you know, have, how many have ever worked really hard with your hands? What happens over time when you work really hard? If you're, using, if you're gripping a shovel, you're gripping a bar, you're gripping a pick, what happens to your hands? Blisters and then what? So what, what hap- over time, we can callous these. We can callous these. We can callous this. We can callous this. And Satan's really good at callousing things. The, you can be very sensitive at first, right? The first time you take a pick and someone says, I need you to go you know, dig up big section of ground for eight hours. Your hands will be very sensitive. They will feel as those blisters start to, ah, this isn't good. Your, your hands are going to scream. Same thing happens early on in any sin. The spirit is going, whoa, hey. But, but if you continue past that boundary, calluses form. And this isn't just sexual sin, all sin. And then you get hard. And then it becomes a little harder for the Holy Spirit to break through those things. So we need to be sensitive with our senses. Amen? Don't let anything to cloud your spiritual eyes, your spiritual ears, your spiritual touch, your spiritual taste. Matthew 6, and 23 says, Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. And when your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if that light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. So look at this. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for what? Your whole body. Jesus is speaking about our eyes and our hands for a specific reason. The eyes bring light for what? Our whole body. Now what happens if our eyes are a little fogged up? Sister Joy, she's, she's dealing with and struggling with macular degeneration. She doesn't see real good. Over time, there can be all kinds of different effects and, and diseases and things that happen to our eyes, and it doesn't allow light in. Does it affect the whole body? Have you noticed she has to be led by Paul? She has to use other things. It affects everything. So Jesus is pretty wise in speaking about our eyes because he knows it affects the whole body. It affects everything. When someone's blind, it is, their, their whole body's being affected. Do you think they're, they're running into stuff quite often? Do you think the fact that they're blind, it could cause them to die? They could take one misstep, step out in front of a car. They could, they could walk off of something. There's, it is not a good thing to be blind. So going on in the verse, how, if, you're, if, what, you're, if what your light is really darkness... It says, but when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body's filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. If you have an eye disease and you don't even realize that you have an eye disease, and it's, it's gradually come over time, just gradually gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And you still think, well, I can still see, I can still function, I can still make it. Anyone, you notice that in driving? And then all of a sudden you have a, a moment of, uh-oh, that wasn't good. I almost went off the road. I almost killed somebody. I almost hit a tree. I didn't see that person. 
The light, if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. And that happens in all kinds of forms. How deep that darkness is when we are deceived by thinking it's light. Point four. Satan knows your impurity will affect more than just you. It will affect your family if you don't subdue it. If there's one point, men, I, 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 and ladies, Satan wants to think that this is just your thing. I, I, this isn't really affecting anyone else, and this is in all forms of addictions. Or, I remember when I was young, dealing with alcoholism and drug addiction, I was just like, I got this. No one else. It's not really costing anyone else anything. I was working, paying the fines, paying the... Go, I was the one going to jail. I was the one paying the fines. I was taking care of all of it. It's not really affecting anyone else. That's just how we think about those things. I got this under control until it didn't. The whole time it was affecting all kinds of people. But as long as I wasn't physically like hurting people, I thought I'm okay. The same thing with, with the sexual addictions and the pornography. You are affecting a lot of people. Satan knows your impurity will affect more than just you. It will affect your family if you don't subdue it. Exodus 34, 7. See, he knows the word. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations. This is God. I forgive iniquity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children and grandchildren. The entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generations. Remember this fourth generations. We're going to highlight that when we close. I want to talk a little bit about the sin of transgression and impurity, or iniquity, I'm sorry. We can see here scripturally, it affects more than just you. It's pretty eye-opening, isn't it? That's kind of scary. Now, this isn't saying that God's cursing your generations. Amen. This is saying, quite naturally, like how many, you, how many of you can look up to like your grandfather and you see characteristics or qualities, good or bad, and you see those things come down? That was the environment they were raised in. I can, look, I can look to my dad. I don't know my dad's dad, but I'm guessing he learned his qualities and things from somebody. And you can see some of those things passed down. And men and women, sometimes we will call our wives by their mother's name. That's not a good thing ever. I quit doing that a few years back. My wife reminded me that she was really not cool with that, as I am not cool even though my dad's name is Steve. But there's a certain way she'll say Steve, and I know she's talking to You're acting like your father. Ugh. Sometimes it's all right. But we don't ever usually use that in a good way. So these things pass down. You hear me? Amen. Have you ever noticed even good things or bad things? You can come out of a generation of, of families that were praying for their children. They were loving on them. They were blessing them. They were instilling godly qualities. You're going to see those things run through generations. You could also see families where there was abuse. There was alcoholism. There was addiction. There was uh, sexual problems. Those things run down. It's awfully quiet. So let's talk about transgression. Yay. <laughs> Transgressions is willful trespassing. Transgression is really the word it kind of breaks down out of is trespass. There's a boundary, and we willfully cross that. You could be like, here's a property line, or say that's the property line. I know that's someone else's property, but there's something I want over there. I see the no trespassing, but there's a really good hunting spot over there. Or there's a fishing hole over there. It's like ridiculous. I'm speaking to some of your languages now. 
it's not mine. I, I don't, shouldn't cross it, but I really want something there. So I willfully trespass. That's transgression. Transgressions are usually outward. Outward. That's just another way to, when you're speaking of transgression, it's most of the time it's speaking of outward. Iniquity. Why are we speaking of that? There's been a few verses last week that we're speaking of transgressions and iniquity. Iniquity is more deeply rooted. Iniquity is premeditated choices. Does that make sense? Like you may transgression, you may be walking along, you realize, oh, shoot, look at that pond over there. And you get all excited, then you see, oh, there's no trespassing. Iniquity would be you were plotting and thinking about that fishing hole for weeks and months and going, oh, man, if there's ever an opportunity, I can get away over here. It start, and it comes here. Iniquity really births here in the heart. It's inward. And this will start making some sense as we go on. It's deeply rooted. It's premeditated choice. It's the inward meditation. The sins of the heart, iniquity, always have the ability to go beyond just you, but to your children and your grandchildren. Not just to transgress, not just to trespass, but the iniquity, the deep things in the heart. How many, I don't raise your hands, but there's, there's some people who were raised in, it doesn't matter what color race you are, but there was uh, racism. You can be Hispanic and be racist towards another people group. It's not just a white thing. <laughs> you could be black and be, be racist towards another people group. But how many grew up in homes where maybe their, your dad's grandparents, they said things and they, they jokingly, whatever, but it was racist. Those things can travel down. There, there were deep things. So... The sins of the heart, iniquity, always have the ability to go beyond just you to your children and grandchildren. Um, let me read a verse, and, and this was extracurricular, so it's not really in my notes. Um, Psalm 73, 7 says, from their calloused hearts comes iniquity. From their calloused hearts comes iniquities. Their evil imaginations have no limits. A calloused heart comes iniquity. That iniquity is what can be passed down, which is just really, we need, that if, if there's anything to be scary, that's scary. That iniquity, those, those deep transgressions, the things we're met, those can be passed down to our kids. That's why Rick leading up this conqueror group, and for all of you men, if you say, well, I'm not even really struggling, there's generations behind you. And if you are struggling in any way, shape, or form, if you want to put a stop to it, man up and put a stop to it. But don't let it continue. That's crazy to let something like that continue in through the generations. Like, it's rampant in this generation. So we as a church and as, as a group of men and as a body, we're going to say, we're going to do everything we can to put a stop to it so it doesn't continue. Amen? Amen? So we need to recognize the seriousness of what Jesus is saying in to those two verses. He repeats himself and says, if your eye is offending, if your hand is offending, you lop it off, cut it off, gouge it out, get rid of it, do whatever it takes. All right, point five. There is hope. <laughs> there is great hope when we repent. There is great hope when what? When we repent. There is no great hope when we don't repent. There's no great hope when we keep it in the dark. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimonies. Many, went, many men and women have encountered God's restoration and forgiveness. Many men and women. This, this area of adultery and, and, and even uh, 
natural adultery, the, the spiritual thought, the, the look of adultery, the having it in our heart. Many people have been, have been healed from that and have had hope and have been totally restored. We serve a God of restoration. Amen. And he is really good at restoration. I have, I have a lot of friends. There was, there was a, a, one of our really close friends at one point went through some struggles in their marriage. And, and um, it was a long season and it was not good. It was ugly and everything in me, and I love both of them, and I wanted to say, leave him. I just wanted to, in my flesh, I wanted to be like, forget him. And I mean, I just, I wanted to hurt him. Seriously, I just wanted, not in a bad way, just like, just smack him. Just, I just wanted to smack him, like, what's wrong with you? Like, dude, get it together. That wasn't going to do anything. When the Holy Spirit finally got a hold of them, and they went through counseling, they, and God restored their marriage, I remember telling Jenny we, we were leaving from one of, their, one of our dinners with them, and I went, dang, maybe we should get counseling. <laughs> because God had restored their marriage so well. And it was in shambles. I mean, it was done. There wasn't much of one. It was just paper in their eyes. It was, they had both been like, that's it. God so restored their marriage that it made everyone else's marriage look like, maybe we need help. Like, and I've seen that over and over and over where the enemy has come in to steal, kill, and destroy, where he has come in and, and caused havoc in people's marriages and in their relationships, that when we allow the Lord to come in and restore, they come out stronger. Amen. Now, I'm not saying you need to go do stupid things to go for your marriage to get stronger. But what happens is when people are in that struggle, they turn to him and they go, Lord, we need you. And we can do that without the trouble. Because we serve a God who's a God of restoration. He's a restorer. It's what he is and it's what he does. So there is great hope, but we have to repent. Repent means that we change our course. It also means we change our thought. True repentance comes in our thought. We don't think the same anymore. We don't think that it's okay. We don't think that we can do it on our own anymore. We repent and go, God, I need your help. We, we, we step out of pride, Rick. We take that humble step of, I need you. I told the guys that were redoing our floor, they were asking about our church and, and uh, said something about being here. And I said, well, you know, I go, I don't know how it came about, but I said the statement to him. I go, the church is full of people who are broken and messed up. We just know we need help. <laughs> like, I don't think that I'm so good that I don't even have to come to church. I can go golf on Sunday. I don't think I got it all together so that I could just go hunting and fishing and just forget Sunday. I don't need to come around other Christians and or I, don't need to, I don't need to humble myself and come before the Lord and, and receive his strength. And they were like, whoa. I said, yeah. I said, the, the picture of the church that you might think that everyone's got it together, that is not the picture of this church because I'm here. And you're here. <laughs> right? Why are you here? Because you were humble enough to realize, I need a Savior. Amen. So there's great hope when we repent. The Bible says if we confess our sin, what? He is faithful and just to what? Forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all. I love that word, all. All unrighteousness. Amen? Amen. So one other thing I want to hit on. Generational curses. How many? Are you, this has been a real popular thing for years back and generational curses. That's basically what we're saying in looking at Exodus, right? There was this curse on, this, on the four generations of people coming through. And let me share something with Jesus. 
And I know that there's all kinds of different thought process on generational curses. I think it's hogwash. It's hogwash. You don't need to go through 15 series of how to be delivered from generational curses. Jesus took every single one of the curses on him on the cross, and he freed us from every curse. It went back to the Old Testament. They, they, they put the, the snakes up on that pole and said, look up at that. What was that? The thing that had been biting them and attacking them. They put on a curse because they knew the law said cursed is anything that's hung on a tree. Amen. Jesus went to the cross. And you don't have to take my word for it. Galatians 3.13. But Christ has rescued us from the curses pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross... He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Amen. So there's your generational curses summed up right there. He has taken them. You go to him and you're free. You go to him and you say, I want this stopped. And I plead the blood of Christ over this and over my family and over all those things. And, and it's stopping here. From this point forward, I am choosing. I repent. I'm going this direction. I'm following you, Lord. And I'm trusting you. And I'm receiving everything you have for me. So it stops here. Amen. That's what his word says. You either believe that or you don't. Amen. Romans 5.19 says, by one man's obedience, many will be made what? Righteous. By one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Now, I don't have, uh, this is just my, this is Denison 101, okay? But I'm encouraged by that act of Jesus. I'm encouraged by that act of Jesus. And I'm going to say this, I think if I will take a righteous step in an area, many will be made righteous. Amen. I'm looking at my family. I'm looking at my boys. If I will kill something in my generation, it will be free. they will be free going forward. Amen. Amen? Amen? Jesus is my example in that. By one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Hebrews 8 and 12. Are you getting encouraged yet? Amen. For I will be merciful towards their what? Iniquities. And I will remember their sins no more. Those deep things on the heart. God will be merciful to those iniquities. Isaiah 53, 5. This is so awesome. This is how we can see the scripture is in agreement of what the difference between iniquities, transgressions are. But he was wounded. Where, what are wounds? Outward. He was wounded for our what? Transgressions. He was bruised, which are what? In. He was bruised for our iniquities. Oh, my Lord. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we were healed. Look, Amen. he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. If that doesn't give you hope, and that doesn't like tie all of the transgression and iniquity together, Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. Those crossing those boundaries, those, yeah, I know I shouldn't do it, but... He was bruised for the premeditated, all those things, deep sin that would go down through the generation that have that ability. He was bruised for those. And by his stripes, we are healed. Amen. By his stripes, we are healed, outward and inward. Amen. I love this verse. Last point. Dude, we're doing all right. <laughs> we serve a mighty God 
who restores and blesses and multiplication. This one wasn't, this was all just Friday. I had this revelation. And I got so I had to come drive down here and, and I love I love the word of God. I don't know if you can tell, but even on my days off, I was like, oh, I told Jenny, I said, I know I'm not supposed, but can I go to the church? I, I want I got my I want to go study something out. Yeah. <laughs> just your day. I know it's my day off, but this is fun. <laughs> I'm gonna go study. So this this whole next section is just uh, the Lord dropped this this little nugget in there. We serve a mighty God who restores and blesses in multiplication. We serve a God of multiplication. Now, now I had this, this realization. Satan uses subtraction and division. Right. Satan uses subtraction and division. God uses addition and multiplication. That's, that, if you want to ever take a quote, that's mine. I wrote, I wrote that. I, I like that one. That was the Holy Spirit inspired. I've never heard no one else say that, but that is a truth. Satan uses subtraction and division. God uses addition and multiplication. And I am only able to work in addition. He lets me work in addition. If there's multiplication comes out of anything I do, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt, it was him. Amen. Right? We can do addition. Multiplication is a God stuff. And I like God stuff. Right? How, how do I know that's true? Well, there's nothing God can't restore. There's nothing God can't restore. I want, I, want to, I want to look at this word restoration. We serve a God of restoration. He uses multiplication. We serve a mighty God who restores. And there's nothing that God can't restore. Absolutely nothing. I began to think about this. And the only thing I've heard people say is that, you know, you got to use your time wisely. You only have so much. And when you run out, you can't go back. That's a lie. God even restores that. God even restores time. It's ridiculous. The ridiculousness of God's restoration is amazing. And I begin to think about that. And there's even verses for it. You want to hear that? Yeah. Job 42. Oh, actually, Joel. <clears throat> I wish I could go into I don't have time for it. But God did some crazy restoration in the book of Joel. If you get a chance, read it. But in Joel chapter 2, 225, he says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten. I will restore to you the years. That's restoring time. Amen. See, they were all screwed up. They were all jacked up. They had left God, and they paid the price. The, the locusts came, ate all of their provisions, all of their um, wheat, all of their, their fruit trees were ate up, all of the grape vineyards. The wine was gone. There was nothing. The locusts had destroyed it all. And God said, I'm going to come restore it. Why? Because they repented. He said, if you'll repent, I will restore it in multiplication. Amen. God showed up. with their, they, The locusts had destroyed everything, and he showed up. There was vats of wine. There was fruit. There was, he restored everything and the time. They had wasted all that time. God multiplied their time going forward. So you have hope. I remember thinking, oh, my Lord, all that time I wasted. If there, and I've said this many times. If there was one thing I could do, if I could go back, and if I had served the Lord sooner, that would I didn't even got to worry about that. He's going to multiply the time going forward. You should be so excited. That you're, what the heck's wrong with you guys? <laughs> I'm serious. God is multiplying our time. He's a restorer. We don't have to look back. Amen. Go forward. Amen. Job 42, verse 2, 5 and, verse 2. 
I wish I could read all of it, but I don't. So we're just doing Job 42, verse 2, verse 5 and 6, and then 10 through 17. This is Job. I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Listen to what he says in verse 5 and 6. I had heard of your hearing of the ear, right? Jesus, you've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said, but I say. This is Job's version. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in the dust and ashes. Now look at verse 10 and 17, 10 through 17 in chapter 42. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends and the Lord gave Job twice as much multiplication as he had before. Then came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before and ate bread with him in his house and they showed him sympathy and comforted him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And, and I got to stop right there. If you read this out in the early beginning, in Job chapter 1, the Lord didn't bring this upon him because, and I'll prove this to you. Go read Job chapter 1. Job, Job, Satan says, reach out your hand. He tells God, reach out your hand and touch Job and you'll see. And God says, you reach out your hand to touch him. Amen. It wasn't God's hand. God allowed that to happen. God used Satan and God doubled and blessed. But that wasn't, that wasn't God um, putting his hand on Job. I've heard a lot of people say, oh, well, you look at Job about healing, about everything. God wasn't God's hand. God's not a God who, who steal, kills, and destroys. He's a God who gives life and gives abundant multiplication life. Amen? Amen? That's good preaching. That was for free. <laughs> and the Lord blessed the latter days of Job. You hear this? The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than the beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep. 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. And had, they only numbered the female donkeys because the guy ones must have been jerks or something. I don't know. But <laughs> things I think about when I read scripture. <laughs> he had also seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of his first daughters Jemimiah, and the name of the second Kezia, and the name of the third Karen Hapuk or something. And in all the land there was no women. So no women so beautiful as Job's daughters. And their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. Amen. And after this, Job lived 140 years. Now listen to this. And saw his sons and his sons' sons and four generations. Four generations. That's a quinky dink, right? Four generations of blessing. And God multiplied his time. We serve a mighty God who restores and blesses in multiplication. Amen. Multiplication. How many want your blessing and your time multiplied? Amen. Your, your time of fruitfulness multiplied. Amen. Multiplied past your time of unfruitfulness. I'm in. I'm all in on that. Because there was a lot of unfruitfulness. And if God could multiply that mess, Amen. multiply that amount in this amount of time and goodness, that's a good time right there. Amen. That's a good time right there. I'm, I'm excited about that. Amen. I'm going to close with this. This is something that David wrote. You know, we talked about David last week. Psalm 31, 1 through 7. I am closing, so if we can have some closing piano, that would help me on the, the closing part. <laughs> <laughs> Blessed is the one. Psalm 31, verse 1 through 7. Listen, listen to what David writes. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered. 
See, back then, they didn't have it gone. It was atoned. It was just temporarily covered. How blessed are we? It's gone. As far as the east is from the west, it's gone. It's into the sea of forgetfulness, not just covered. Blessed is the man against, against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. Transgression and iniquity, gone. And in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Men, don't keep silent. Women, don't keep silent. Don't keep silent. The longer you stay silent, the more your strength is zapped. Your strength will be zapped further and further and further. Don't keep silent. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up. As by the heat of summer, Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer a prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. For you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble, and you surround me with shouts of deliverance. Shouts of deliverance. Shouts of deliverance. Selah. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray a prayer over you. I'm going to give opportunity after this. Um, I'm just going to put it this way. If, if afterwards, after we all say this prayer and you pray with me, if you need, and you're saying, I need, I need you, Jesus. I, I need what you're, you, Steve, what you've been talking about, that restoration. I need, I need to receive from you. I need to receive from the Lord. I need to be healed. I need to repent. If that's you, after service, please come forward. And I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to walk with you. We'll, we'll put someone in contact with you to, to disciple you. If you don't have a Bible, you need some tools, we'll, we'll equip you. If that's you, just, just hang out after service and come up and see me. And I'm going to hang out right here in the altar. And we'll pray with you and spend some time. The rest of you, I just want to pray. And I want you to just uh, hold out your hands like you're going to receive something. Put your hands out in that, in that manner. <sighs> Holy Spirit, come now. We receive your presence. Holy Spirit, heal our receptors. Holy Spirit, heal, heal our eyes. Restore them so we can see clearly. Restore them so, Lord, we will see you clearly. Restore them so we will be fully in the light. Restore our eyes. Holy Spirit, restore our ears. That we would hear your voice clearly. Tune our ear to your voice. Remove all obstacles, all lies in the name of Jesus. We receive restoration in our eyes and our ears. Holy Spirit, restore our taste. That we would taste and see that you are good. That our tongue wouldn't be calloused to the things of God. That we would see how sweet the things of God are. And how bitter and sour the things of the earth are and of this world. Holy Spirit, heal our sense of taste.
right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, restore our sense of smell. Lord, I pray, Lord, restore our sense of smell that we would smell the goodness of God, that we would smell things, Lord, that are, that are ripe, things that are fruitful, things that are sweet, things that are beneficial, and Lord, we would smell the things that are dead. Death has a stench. Lord, I pray that you would restore our sense, that it wouldn't be calloused, that we'd be able to smell the things that are dead. Holy Spirit, restore it. Holy Spirit, restore our touch. Lord, many have been touched wrong. Lord, and they're not able to receive a pure, real, unselfish touch. Holy Spirit, heal our sense of touch. Lord, heal those who have touched wrong, who have been involved in things, God, and it's messed up their sense of touch. They can't be intimate. They can't be close. I break those lies in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, restore our sense of touch. We thank you for your restoration power. We thank you, Lord, for restoring time. We thank you, Lord, for the, the future, Lord, is bright in you. Restore our time. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You can be dismissed. If you would like to, and you need, you need salvation, you need a complete restoration, don't be ashamed. Today's the day. Please come forward. I'd love to pray with you.
still